Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, you're listening to STT Rewind. I'm your host, Owen Hughes, co-editor of SetTheTape.com. And joining me as ever is my trusty partner in crime, Set The Tape writer, Steve Norman. Coming up, we kick off our film section by hopping in a time machine and going back to the 1990s to write John Connor out of history. We glance at the recently released image for Terminator 6, which looks to retcon everything post-Judgment Day. To me, to you, to TV. And we mourn the loss of Barry Chuckle before mourning the loss of original television as Picard returns to Star Trek. Just kidding. Matt Latham briefly rounds up the latest music festival gossip in cassette tape before finally Free Play delves into the comics that we've been reading lately with a host of original reviews up on our site at the moment. Now, let's get on with the show. For those of you who are new to STT Rewind, we begin with our film section of the podcast. And catching our eye this past week has been a promo image for Terminator 6. The photo shows the returning Linda Hamilton, aka Sarah Connor, from the original two Terminator movies, the mother of the future leader of our species resistance against the cybernetic apocalypse bringing Skynet. Uh, rightly, I think. People have been hyped for her return to the series. What seems to have gotten lots of knickers twisted, however, is that in the picture, there's no Arnold Schwarzenegger and only two other actors, both of whom happen to be women. Uh-oh, Steve. Uh-oh, women, eh? Uh-oh. Yes. Yeah, not more women doing mm. acting. It's PC gone mad. Oh, it's, right? it's stupid. Yeah, you've got Linda Hamilton, obviously, Mackenzie Davis and Natalia Reyes. Uh, did Cam James Cameron, did he forget to put a bloke in the movie? Oh, oh it's just, the it's, you know, it, I can't stand the way that men are being written out of prominent film, film roles these days. It's, I know, terrible, yeah. terrible. Mm. We are being sarcastic, just in case any of they've, those new they've, listeners they've didn't probably recast. They've probably recast Arnie as a woman. Well, I mean, originally, I don't know if you know this, but Lance Henriksen was going to be um, the Terminator. He was originally right. down to... I don't know if they ever shot anything with him or how yeah. far it actually got, but yeah, he was he was down to be um, the uh, t 
Terminator before Schwarzenegger. And he actually yeah. featured in The Terminator as one of the, the detectives in the end. For the, I guess for those who don't know, Lance Henriksen, he's Bishop in Aliens, probably his most well-known role, I would have thought. Um, yeah, there you go. So, I mean, Lance Henriksen isn't exactly a big physical specimen of a man. No. Uh, but, I, you know, he can do menacing quite well, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe that's what, what you would need to do. So, so in answer to your question, I, I can't answer it. I don't know. <laughs> Fine. Fair enough. That is uh, that's an acceptable answer. I yeah. Guess. Um, I guess one of the other things that's quite interesting about the fact that we've got a sixth uh, entry into the series is, to, you know, not to sound too old man about it, but I used to get excited if I knew a film I liked was getting a sequel. Mm. Uh, and then less it, so if when it was being made into a trilogy, because, you know, that's when the, the quality starts to tank. Yeah. But, you know, Term Terminator being case in point, I suppose, because Rise of the Machines is dire. It's the worst in the series for me. Um, I think it's only saving grace is the like final five minutes. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we'll get that is, I mean, this can either be seen as a, as a sixth film in the Terminator series or the third, because it's ignoring everything after Judgment Day. So they're, they're splitting the timeline then? I think it's not even going to be as complex as that. It's just going or to be... Or it's just a complete retcon of all canon in, um, in yeah. the Terminator universe. It's, it's not even just going to be a la Abrams Star Trek where it's no, exactly. making a, 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 an intentional new timeline. Because obviously with that, they, they acknowledged in the films it was a separate timeline with original Spock being in there. Um, and all that stuff, but they're not mm -hmm. even doing something like that. It's just this is no, the films are bad, so we can ignore them now. This is something new. I believe so. Yeah, I think it's, right. it's that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's retconning the the series. Um, similar, I guess, to Ridley Scott when he's on his return to the Alien series, because the um, prequels, you know, uh, Prometheus and uh, Alien Covenant, although they are prequels, they pretty much ignore. The fact that aliens, Alien Three, and Resurrection are a thing, yeah, um, you know, they work purely on Alien and then these two. So I think it's working in a similar sort of fashion. Um, they aren't canon, according to to what James Cameron's vision is for this sixth film. But yeah, I mean, sixth film in in the franchise is pretty extraordinary, isn't it? And it's had, yeah. a, and you know, it's had a TV show as well. You know, Sarah Connor, Connor Chronicles. Mm. Um, it's a pretty big franchise now. Yeah. And Terminator Genesis didn't exactly go down well. Or Salvation. Or Terminator 3. They weren't... Um, so, I mean, to, to get to the sixth stage is quite a remarkable achievement. Especially when in it's some been ways. all diminishing returns and especially to keep it as kind of that big budget kind of... You know, there's a lot of um, films when the returns would be perhaps as diminishing as that where they might release another film but it's mm. not anywhere as near big budget or blockbuster it's kind of a almost a director dvd type thing mm. and i mean they've they've had some pretty decent like high level stars appear in, in their films yeah uh, post um terminator 2 if you think like in well salvation for example was led by christian bale yeah he was quite a hot property at the time People yeah. wanted him in their films. Um, and you've got, you know, Genesis even. I guess you could say Amelia Clark is pretty pretty high profile. And also the big yeah. thing about that was bringing back Arnie to the series yeah, properly. Definitely. Yeah, 
I mean, what what has um, uh, Linda Hamilton been doing since Judgment Day? <sighs> Dante's Peak in '97, mm. um, and a lot of films that I've not heard of <laughs> uh, in terms of television um, guest parts in a lot of shows, and yeah. So interesting as well to to bring her back just because she played a character previously when she perhaps hasn't been kind of not around. She's definitely been working, but not kind of in anything of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, that I've, size. I've seen Terminator Two um, on the big screen twice in the past yeah. sort of year and a bit, and honestly, she is not just like because. Um, the character's well written, but she's fantastic in those as Sarah Connor. She's yeah. really, really good. And, you know, it seems a shame that if she, you know, didn't choose to, for her career to go the way that it, it went, and that's a shame. You know, she might have genuinely decided not to pursue larger oh, yeah. film roles or whatever. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, to, to bring her back, that's the only thing that's really exciting me about this. I think Mackenzie mm. Davis, um, the the rumour is that she's probably going to be a Terminator. You can kind of make out from the image that was released. She's got what look like lines or patterns or uh, indications that she might be a cybernetic organism yeah, and not a human being. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, it could be good. It could, it could be, it could be tosh. Uh, I've got my fingers crossed that it, that it's a return to form. Um, yeah. Are, th- are there any other sort of sort of franchises, series of films that have reached the sixth stage, and you've sort of been impressed that they've maintained that quality uh, all um, the way through? Or cause I, I don't think, think there are I, many. I, I, no, I mean, well. There's not many that get to six films. I mean, if you look at ones that didn't, I mean, didn't, haven't really diminished in in quality or are still of a high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Star Wars, which is into its well. If you include the ones that are non-saga stories, we've had what's that? Uh, Ten Star Wars movies now. Um, you've got Harry Potter, which was, was that seven or eight movies. I can't remember how it worked because the last mm. book was split into two films and. Um, if you if you count um, the Hobbit, then Lord of the Rings was into six films. Yeah, um, I suppose so. I mean, you, you could you could do that for sort of saying like, well, Marvel, X Men, um, yeah, you know, all them lot. They've had those. We've just had Mission Impossible Fallout come out and get lots yeah. of acclaim. Um, but then you've got sort of tends to be tends to be horror films a lot, but you end up with like Friday the Thirteenth Part Ten. Yeah, right. And, that's and true. They, yeah. And they definitely diminish in return. <laughs> probably i mean are any of them ever better than the original you might know more than me but after you've had the first halloween or friday the 13th sure. or text chainsaw well, massacre has any of the sequels actually been better than the original well I, I mean everyone thinks of like friday 13th of uh, um, and they think of jason right but yeah he didn't get his hockey mask until you know his iconic hockey mask and machete that was i think the third film in the yeah. franchise and that's the that's the way everyone remembers that character yeah um Halloween, no, I mean, I don't think the first one's been bettered. I like the Rob Zombie films, but I don't think they're better than the yeah. original. Um, and Season of the Witch, the third one, has grown on me over the years. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes in horror it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Hellraiser, probably uh, an example of one that doesn't. Um, 
doesn't get better, but that's mainly... So what happens with those is because the the films themselves, the names, the titles become properties and studios want to keep those. And to keep those, you have to produce new films. And just to keep things ticking over so they can hold on to the rights to the movies, they put out dross. That makes right. it incredibly cheaply and put it out there. Uh, although maybe... An, I mean, that's certainly true of something like Hellraiser, but I'm just thinking of, like, the Chucky movies. Yeah. Um, they're actually putting a, a fair amount of effort into making those good these days. Mm. Child's Play films are... Um, the newer ones are good in their own right. They're not just yeah. designed to hold on to the, the thing. Anyway, getting slightly off topic now, aren't we? Um, but, yeah, I mean, Fast and Furious, I guess, is the, the example that a lot of these movies will look to and Transformers and things that just keep breaking yeah, the box office. I mean, Transformers is a strange one because people... Even though it seems to be rebooting it now and there's this spin-off Bumblebee movie, the films themselves seem to be worse every time. I mean, the first Transformers movie, the Michael Bay one with um, Shia LaBeouf, the first one that came out, I didn't mind that. I thought that was okay. It's kind of a a family-aimed kind of blockbuster. Um, and then I don't know. I didn't really like it. But, but since then, they've been pretty terrible. Uh, but they keep getting made and people keep going to see them. Um, so it's all people's fault yeah everything's people's fault on to tv and where to begin um to you or to me steve to you oh oh dear oh dear (laughs) yes uh barry chuckle staple of children's television with his brother paul for generations of kids in the uk um uh, and whose pos- popularity, I guess, is kind of almost impossible to describe to anyone not from the UK. Yes, um, any, yeah. anyone not from the UK, um, if you're listening to this, go onto YouTube, search for Chuckle Vision. Yes. And then please tweet, set the tape, or myself or Owen directly, and let us know what you think. <laughs> um, yeah. It'd be an interesting experiment, that. Yes. Yes. Um, however, um, they were giants of um, children's television. And there's probably not many children or people in the UK under the age of 35 who won't know who the Chuckle Brothers are. Um, The fact that um, they were still making children's television, even up to really recently, shows that they were doing something right. Yeah, Um, they're beloved. I mean, we should just say as well, it's only Barry that's died, by the way. Yes, yes. Um, We haven't mentioned actually the fact that Barry Chuckle died. Paul is still very much alive. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Mm. Um, But I was listening to to some some tributes on the radio and and and, um, Mm. I think it was on Five Live and they had some other actor um, in who's done lots of different things. I can't remember who it was now, but they they said people just think that what they do is easy because it's slapstick comedy, it's silliness for kids. And they said, actually, it's very difficult to do that well Mm -hmm. and they were fantastic at it. They were, yeah, fantastic at physical comedy. Yeah. Um, And that, that sort of translates across... Gen, you know, age groups, it translates across the international audiences as well. Think of, of like how um, old silent movies, Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd and stuff, they're incredibly yeah. popular in places like China and Hong Kong because you don't need to speak a language to get no. it. And I think that, you know, Mr. Bean as well is 
famously um, very popular across Eastern Europe, yeah. where um, English isn't important to, to get yeah. what's going on because it's just very funny physical comedy. Yeah, Th- that's what the Chuckle Brothers were like for kids. Um, yeah, and they and they they yeah. obviously been around for a long time as an act. They'd been doing all the old theatre work, and they'd won a few TV shows that our parents probably would have heard of, but we have no idea. Mm idea what they are and and you know i think they've i think they've got a couple of brothers as well who are also in the entertainment industry and um hmm. you know like a, it's, a, it's one of those family kind of, of, of yeah, deals where they're all involved but yeah I ken mean, doddish really isn't yeah. it bit like ken dodd that sort of thing yeah yeah um but yeah like i say they were they they were a, a big part of probably most uk child's childhood hmm. especially in the days when we only had four channels or, yes or that weird sky where you could sometimes pick up the German channels as well. <laughs> yeah. There, there were some kind of touching tributes to them, uh, to both of them. I mean, it, as I say, it's, it is only Barry who, who, who died, but um, yeah. some, of the, some of the tributes to, to what Chucklevision and the Chuckle Brothers brought to, to lots of kids, you know, the entertainment that, that they provided was great. I saw someone called uh, at, Father S, uh, S, at Father SJMC, um, posted their favourite bit from Chucklevision, which was Barry saying, it's a nice church vicar. And then the vicar said, it's Norman. And so Barry replied, it's a nice church, Norman. I mean, <laughs> just, <laughs> just a little... I think there's a lot of jokes like that in, in Chucklevision, which are just brilliant because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's terrible humour, but it's great humour as well. Yeah, it's great. Um, but also in TV news and probably of a more international interest, I suspect, Sir Patrick Stewart is reprising his role as Captain Picard and will feature in a new CBS all-access Star Trek series. Uh, He played Picard in 178 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, He's appeared in four of the films. I think the last was 2002. So we haven't got a title. We don't have a release date yet. There's no real plot beyond the fact the series will, quote, chronicle his life after The Next Generation. A lot of people seem to be excited for this and, you know, great, glad it's something that, that people want and they want to see more of Picard because he was an iconic character in the series. But personally, don't don't really see why we need to see more about what he's doing now. No, what was... So, I mean, I'm not a Star Trek fan. Um, what was... How did, how did they leave his character at the end of The Next Generation or whatever the last film he was in? Was uh, what? What yeah. was his? What was his? What was his last thing? But presumably, if he didn't die, he retired. And how much is there to chronicle after he retires? Do we do we need a, a series about that? Can't we? Star Trek Discovery seems to be doing pretty well, and that's yeah. an, that's an original series going back to, um, you know, it's a prequel series, but st- still. Shouldn't we be perhaps trying to come up with more original stuff? I think we laboured the point on the last episode about finding original shows and original material to, to, to things. Otherwise, isn't it just like milking a cash cow? Is it flog, flogging a dead horse almost? Yeah. Should they let sleeping dogs lie, Steve? Well, I mean, we've have they, been talking have they about... they let the cat out the bag too soon? Have we got any other animal idioms? Mm, um, horses... Shut the stable door after the horse has bolted. There we go. We yeah, I, I think that's it now. Yeah. Okay. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, basically, the point was: is is it too much of a good thing? Should they should they just leave it? 
yeah, I mean, I mean, we were talking about Terminator earlier as well, so it kind of links in there that if if there's, if it's a story worth telling, then by all means tell it, even if it's a twentieth film in a franchise. Mm. But if the story's not worth telling, then then don't bother, do something new, and it doesn't seem like the story's worth telling. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I am kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit because I also get excited when I find out that something yeah. from, you know that I loved and still love is being given another yeah platform um so yeah i mean i understand why people are excited about it but also i can understand the criticisms because surely whatever's exciting to tell in the star trek universe with picard i mean he had you know 1987 to 1994 178 episodes leading a tv show there's yeah. a lot of story to tell you know it's almost, you could say, it's, let's say it's 180 hours that he's had. But yeah. if you throw in the films, it's more than 180 hours of yeah. Picard being Picard. Um, let's just move on, shall we? Let's just have something different. Uh, I mean, by looks at it, at the end of Nemesis, he's defeated the bad guy, which is a Romulan. Tom um, Hardy, I believe. Uh, yeah, mm. I've just seen that, which was very surprising. Just sort of, well, okay, he's not doing anything. Is there really? Yeah. Like it's just, it's just going to be more Star Trekking. Yeah, they could they could do. It. I mean, if it's chronicling his life after, and maybe he's doing a bit of an Obi Wan, and you know, to to annoy Star Trek and Star Wars fans there by referencing one inside the other. Yeah, I'm I'm logging off the call at this point. <laughs> but you know, they could just make him a mentor for someone i suppose anyway i mean yeah. sure, i'm sure that the people who are looking forward to this have faith in those who are putting this together um in cbs because yeah. of um yeah star trek discovery's gone down quite well so maybe this will too but now uh matt latham is going to give us a brief music roundup in cassette tape Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Pack the tent, we're still knee-deep in festival season. My name is Matthew Latham and you're listening to The Cassette Tape. 
This time, I'm talking about One Tent Above Festival at Gopsall Farm in Leicestershire that took place from the 3rd to the 5th of August. This is One Tent's ninth year of running after being known as Lanefest for years and since changing its name a few years ago. The arena itself is a very small farm consisting of a few barns. Friday opened well, with Uxbridge Indie Pop Quartet blocks opening strong with a very big reaction from the crowd. Other highlights on Friday included Jerry Williams and her upbeat indie pop songs that included the single Grab Life and the brilliant, brilliant cover of Jamie T's If You Got The Money that I wasn't expecting at all. Fickle Friends were brilliant and since I seen them last, their album was released and it's given me a lot of time to actually settle into it. The crowd got into every song and they were extremely energetic and brilliant to see on stage. They were a strong highlight of the weekend. Saturday was a day of discovery for me as I didn't have any artists that I was actively aiming to see on that day. So it was a nice surprise to come away with some acts to keep my eye on in the future. I absolutely loved Jordan McCamper's relaxing solvable songs that helped ease a few hungover heads late into the Saturday afternoon. Also, the festival's program had a section that recommended a few acts for you to see. One of the ones that he recommended was Jade Bird, a young singer-songwriter with a heavily influence of Americana. You could immediately see how Bird has had a great year so far, performing on the Stephen Colbert show and playing at South by Southwest. Sunday was another good day for sets. The day kicking off for me was finally seeing Anteros play after years of wanting to see them. Later on, Eliza and the Bear had a great reaction. Being festival regulars, they had a very big turnout and a lot of sing-alongs. It also dawned on me that they're a band that I thought I knew a lot of their songs of. Turns out I only know Friends because it was part of the Bulmers advertising campaign a few years ago. The festival begins to wind down for me at this point, with a nice set from Bride before the final set of the festival for me, which is Marika Hackman. I saw Marika years ago when she was a year or so from releasing her debut album, and it was just her and a guitar. Since releasing her second album and her sound grew to include a full band, I've not actually had the chance to see her since 2015. It was great to see these songs from the second album live. From an artist I have read described as gloom pop, she's now transitioned into full-blown, what I like to call happy sad pop, that just sounds amazing live. I really enjoyed the music at 110 above. The big thing that I do need to comment on though, however, was the lack of places to buy band merch. There was a small store that displayed shirts and posters that you could buy alongside the usual toiletries that you might need to get at a festival. But for the first two days, the only thing you could buy were t-shirts from the band piece. I either couldn't find where merch was for sale, or there just wasn't any place to buy any. Which, on the one hand, was great for my wallet, on the other, I really would have liked to see what some of the artists had on offer to buy. Will I go again? It will depend on the lineup, but I did enjoy what I saw and the atmosphere was okay. I'd recommend going if you really like the lineup, otherwise I'd advocate perhaps just getting a day ticket to see the bands you really want to see. Until then, I'm Matt Latham and this has been The Cassette Tape. Free play now and partly because it's a topic we haven't actually discussed in a few weeks and because we've got some cracking reviews up on the site at the moment. Uh, and some more to come over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to talk about some comics that we've been reading lately. Uh, Sean Roger recently reviewed a couple of issues from the Doctor Who, the Seventh Doctor, Operation Volcano run. Uh, Gavin McHugh got his hands on the 
first issue of the Raid comic book series, which picks up where the, the films left off. Uh, Amy Walker absolutely let rip into a Grindhouse-style Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles body count trade. And I mean, she really just savaged it. She wanted to give it zero stars, but the, the lowest amount of stars we can award something is one star. Because if I put five grey stars up, it looks like it's got five stars. Um, so instead <laughs> of a one star. Um, yeah. yeah, but she wanted to give it zero stars. She really detested it that much. But Steve, I know you're not like a regular reader of comics, but pick up some series like The Walking Dead and some um, Star Wars stuff. Uh, what have you been reading lately? Um, well... I was sent over a Star Wars comic, um, and with it, you know, it's, it, it doesn't seem to be from what I saw part of a an ongoing. Mm. This um, is Star Wars Adventures, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like there's no kind of it's not like one story in the comic. Um, it's a few different ones, and it's not sort of looking at any kind of arcs story arcs anything like that yeah. it's just sort of self-contained stories um so two that i read in that comic there was one with uh rose the character from the last jedi mm-hmm. who is like a technician that's a, that's what she does and she's trying to fix something before poe dameron um and the other resistance fighters are killed by the new order of the first order mm-hmm. not a new order because the world in motion world that in is and it's very yeah. yeah it's very different um and the other one was the crew of the ghost the, the the main characters from the rebels series um having to save some endangered animals from the empire um for reasons they had to save one because it was an important animal to somebody yeah some like person in a on a planet who was going to help the rebellion um so I was reading them and I uh, reading some. I thought these are, these are really aimed at kids. Um, these are certainly aimed at children, which is fine. Um, but then I was thinking about it even more, and I thought, yes, they're still aimed for children, aimed at children, but they're really quite boring. Did you think and so? They're really quite boring, and they're not they're not very exciting. I mean, having to save like an animal isn't it? like fixing a a a thing on a spaceship to make it to say it's, it's not that exciting and people might think i'm hating on the character from the last jedi um because a lot of people did she, and, and i did yeah. i, I, I mm. thought it was a bit of a pointless character anyway the actress is fine in the role she's in but it's not a very good role um that's not her that's, that's but not certainly her the abuse she got on was it instagram she got a bullied off of which is disgusting. oh yeah completely yeah well yeah com- completely completely unwarranted yeah. yeah i mean if if i got um bullied on social media for every time i went into work and did something bad then i probably wouldn't have social media because i am terrible at my job <laughs> but you know it just it just it's completely unwarranted whether she did a good job a bad job whether it, it's her fault that the character is poorly written um, and not a very strong character or a good character. That's not her fault. And if you're really getting that upset enough about a film, then you need to take a long, hard look at yourself. But I didn't think the character was a particularly great character. That's not her fault. And she wasn't a bad actress. She just had a bad role to, to play. So but in, in the, the comic, in, she still hasn't really been developed as much as perhaps... No. Uh, 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 no. Um, so in the in both 
stories in the comic I read. There wasn't really much character development. Yeah. It was just quite boring stories. Didn't really advance the plot. Didn't really tell you more about the the whole situation that's going on mm. in the galaxy at that time or um, give you much character development or insight. They were just, and even for kids, they just seemed quite boring and basic. And I just thought I wouldn't, if I was a kid who loved Star Wars, which I was, I'd read these and I wouldn't be excited by it. I wouldn't be saying to my mum, I want the next one when that can't, it doesn't, probably doesn't happen like that anymore. It's mm. all digital. But, you know, I wouldn't say to mum, I want however many pounds to go and buy the next Star Wars comic next week. I'd be like, okay, well, okay that's right. I've read that now. Uh, that's a shame. I mean, um, Ian Blackout, who uh, basically writes, I would say, 90% of everything Star Wars related on our website, you probably pick up the other 10%. Yeah, um, he, he reviewed this on setthetape.com, Star Wars Adventures Volume 3. Yeah. Uh, he gave it four stars, so he, out of five. So I think he, he seems to be of the opinion that there's something more, uh, it's, it's, I think he says, always an interesting read for the younger and more long-term fans alike. When Star Wars Adventures is on good form, the series evokes the memory of Dark Horse's quirky and unpredictable Star Wars tales. Um, I think... It, his he he's found something to enjoy being the massive Star Trek fan that he is. Star uh, Wars, being massive Star Wars fan um, that he is. Uh, th- th- there's something in there for him to enjoy and and, and perhaps just find entertaining just being around these this world a bit more. Um, but you seem to think it's just perhaps not not being built on enough. Is that fair? There's just there's not enough it's not enough to it. And that might sound a bit daft when you're talking about what's ultimately a, a children's comic. But I just thought even if it is for children, they could do a bit more with it, be a bit more ambitious. Hmm. Maybe put maybe put a bit of something more I don't know. It doesn't have to be dark and gritty, but it can still be fun and light hearted, but just think a bit more more about it. Hmm. I think you're safe for itself. Yeah, you also quite like the art style. Uh, yeah, quite, yeah, the art style's quite good. It does look good. I mean, mm. it's it's well drawn and illustrated. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I've been reading. I haven't really read much new lately, but I'm still waiting on Jeff Lemire's uh, The Descender uh, to wrap up and for them to release the final volume in that sci-fi series because that has just been a phenomenal series i'd highly recommend people go out there and find in fact go out there and read all of jeff lemire's stuff because he uh, you know every opportunity i get to promote his work i i enjoy if the the joke about jeff lemire is basically if you like stories about daddy issues go and read jeff lemire's stuff but do you know what he's the best at it so yes do go and read his stuff and also read it anyway sweet tooth is one of my favourite comic book series um, that's concluded. It's just uh, from Vertigo, that was. That was just great. Um, but away from, from Jeff Lemire, um, I've actually been reading... I went back and read some old Batman comics that I've got. And I thought, uh, after reading The Black Mirror... I've now owned Black, Batman The Black Mirror, this is Scott Snyder's series. I own it in individual issues. I've got the trade paperback, and now I own it digitally as well and after picking it up uh, on Comixology in um, a DC sale and rereading it again I, the, the story basically follows Dick Grayson as Batman so that's the first Robin who's now older and he's stuck on the Batman mantle because Batman is dead Batman yeah. Prodigal is uh, the series that I've been re- reading which is from the 90s 
which is the first time that he properly took on the role of Batman um, from Bruce Wayne uh, after the Nightfall series, which is what the Dark Knight Rises was kind of based on, where Batman had his back broken by Bane and yeah. then... In the comics, in Nightfall, someone else took over the, the the mantle of the bat and without going into too much detail, replaced Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne came back, got his mantle back, he became Batman again and then said, now I'm going away for a bit and gave it to Dick Grayson, gave it to Robin. He went from being Robin to, um, to Nightwing to Batman. And it's actually, the writing in it, it puts to shame a lot of the more modern Batman comics that I've read. Because yeah. it, it's... There's a, it's, I feel it's darker than perhaps some of the more recent, let's say in the past decade, Batman comics that I've read. Um, but also, it, it kind of, it has an edge to it. And there's, there's, if you follow it from, not just like the art style, which is just exceptional, it runs across a lot of different series. So there are so many different artists working on this. But you've also got... Uh, main chief writers behind the project Chuck Dixon, Alan Grant and Doug Menech, so or Mensch, sorry, Doug Mensch, who, um, you know, their work on Batman was just fantastic anyway. But this is like, you get to see the turmoil that Dick Grayson feels, the way that he's gone from being um, pushed through perhaps too quickly, doesn't really want to do this. You get to see the, like, uh, the strain that it places on him. And it ma it makes Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne as Batman, a more um, richer character for his absence because yeah. you, you get to see how how much and how draining it is being Batman, so to speak. So yeah, so I I loved it actually. I really enjoyed it, and um, I'm glad I went back and re read over it again. But, yeah. Yeah. So what I'll just do to wrap up this section very quickly, I said there were some other comics coming up on the website. Um, we've got some more Doctor Who comics coming up. Uh, Doctor Who, Who, The Good Companion, which is coming out from um, Amy. And she's also reading a book, which is Sherlock Holmes and Cthulhu, which should be kind of interesting, I imagine. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of STT Rewind with me, Owen Hughes, Steve Norman and Matt Latham. If you've enjoyed the show, please, please, please do leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from and tell everyone you know about us. Remember, you can also check out our daily articles online, including a list of our essential Vertigo comics on sale right now at Comixology. Go on, go to setthetape.com and have a look. But for us, we'll be back in a fortnight. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.